This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Oh, yes. Microphone on. Special treat for you as we start this off. The best noise ever. Because, hey, that's what I'm here for. As a doctor, it's really important for people uh, like me with my qualifications in my position here to really put their patients, um, I guess, like comfort at heart, not just you know, look at someone like a maths problem. I'm, I'm here for you guys. And, and that noise, can you guess what I'm drinking? That's right. How did you get that? Oh my God. What are the odds that I'd be drinking pink lemonade and you'd guess that? That's amazing. You and I have got such a good thing going on. This is great. How you been anyway? Because it's been a while. It's been a while because I say this thing that I do it every week and I don't. <laughs> um, but anyway, this week we're back and we are here. So... Yeah, I'm guessing you've just been like me, just like freaking out about why it's not winter yet. And then, God, spending the last couple of days so relieved that it's been cold. Because I said this on the last episode, actually, about a lady who said to me, isn't it lovely that it's still so warm in May? And, oh, wouldn't it just be lovely if it stayed like this all winter? And I like you know this by now, and I'm sure, pretty sure you're the same because that's like why else would you actually be listening? I think about climate change all the time, all the time. I literally, I never ever stop. And I'm assuming you're the same because you're deep down this rabbit hole of the internet onto self-talk podcast <laughs> with me. And so I'm assuming you're the same. So when people say stuff like that, I'm just like, how are you not shitting your pants about what you just said? Isn't that crazily alarming that it's this warm? And I guess like what we established last time you and I chatted was that that's probably because so far, climate change is pretty much just benefiting a lot of Australians insofar as they don't have to get cold, <laughs> they don't shiver ever, or they don't just have to wear more than one layer in their beachside house. <laughs> um, but I think that really is one of the big reasons why why stuff's not happening yet, why no one's really this like massive collective enormous like revolutionary energy shift in in us as a community that we all know needs to happen but that's what everyone's saying whether it's the ipcc or greta thunberg or is it thunberg wow i hope it is that's so much better than thunberg it's definitely not thunderbird because that's what i said the first time i read it because for some reason that was the first word that my brain identified from that collection of letters. And I guess I always wonder whether I have dyslexia because sometimes I catch myself reading and I misread a word just because I've automatically identified it as some sort of, what, what oh, I don't know if it's a homonym, homophobe. No, it's not, not that one. It's a synonym. It's not a synonym. No, whatever it is, we're all the letters, an acronym, not an acronym. Whatever it is, where all the letters are the same, but it's a completely different word. And I'll, I'll get to the end of a sentence and I'll be like, hold on, that didn't make a lot of sense. Oh, wait, that's because I read the word speared as sp spread or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And it changes everything. So whatever this mild form of dyslexia is, when I saw Greta Thun Thun Thunderbird's name first, I was like, well, a real life Thunderbird. Amazing. Of course, she's going to be an environmental superhero. And of course, she's turned out to be one, Not just not in that like amazing green spaceship that I so fondly remember from my childhood. But I've digressed. What I, or I digress back to what we were talking about, which is that we're all just so comfortable and more comfortable than ever because climate change. And I realized something really ironic about that. When I was like hell filthy about this woman unconsciously sort of parroting this mass unconsciousness head in the sand thing that we're all suffering right now um, without her realizing, bless her heart. Um, I was sort of like ticked off about that whilst I enjoyed 10 days of nine second, 10 second. I think it got to like 12 or 13 second east swell on Sydney's northern beaches. It's not like we never get east swells, but it's pretty rare for them to be that consistent 
and that sizable for that long. And so anyway, I'm sitting out there just loving life in the sea. And then I, I realized on like my seventh or eighth surf, like day surfing in a row, I realized like, oh, wait, this is me kind of benefiting from the same thing that I was really critical of hearing in the post office from that lady about, wouldn't it be lovely if it stayed like this forever? Because that was the thought that I had about the waves. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if it was just always four foot and perfect? Oh my God, even just saying that makes me so excited that that's even imaginable. Like that—that that is, wow. Okay, I can't think about that for too long because I'll get lost in that as a dream. Um, but I had that thought. I'm like, wouldn't it be lovely if this stayed like this forever? But the reality of, of, of surf rolls is that um, it comes from somewhere experiencing a large storm. And what that means is that enjoying 10 days of east swell means there's been a weird storm somewhere that's not usually there for that long. And, uh, climate change, you know, do you know what I'm getting at? And so I just realized like, I guess, I guess I realized the hypocrisy that I was really, really not surprised by. Let's be honest. That's all this podcast is, is me calling myself out for bullshit, which is seemingly all I'm full of. Um, but that was me calling myself out for some bullshit there going like, yeah, I'm, I'm more high and mighty because this chick doesn't realize that it's really warm and that's really unnerving for this time of year, uh, ecologically speaking. Uh, yet I'd love it if it was four full all the time, please. I don't really care what that devastation looks like somewhere out there in the Pacific or whatever, you know, I just yank my own chain so much of the time. I swear. But anyway, that thing's, that's a real thing though, that, that this climate change, you know, <laughs> hopefully you, you don't need me to tell you that. Um, although obviously I am uh, a scientist and a medical doctor as we've established. So you, you can trust me when I say that climate change is real. Um, but it is a reality, I think as well, that because we're just benefiting from it so far, none of us are really pulling our finger out. And it's really scary. For example, I was chatting to one of my best friends in England who was telling me about this weird frost that sort of came out of nowhere. It seemed like winter was over. They were coming out. It was getting warmer. Spring was springing and then bam, this huge frost comes along and persists and the temperatures plummet and the humidity goes all over the place. And it just has this huge sudden like transformation of the environment. Lasts for however long it lasts and then off they go back springing into spring. But as I was reminded in that conversation, like think about the amount of animals that have been maybe growing in an egg and then hatching at the beginning of spring or even like insect larva or just just like non-egg animal hatch, hatches. <laughs> even mammals. Yeah, anything that springs to life, even plants, especially plants that spring to life, spring, I'm the coolest person ever. Um, those things suddenly they're two weeks into this dreamy new beginning into these three dimensions of planet earth. So dominated by one particular monkey. And then suddenly it just, this crazy frost comes and it's devastating to this, whatever infantile being that is, wherever that belongs in the animal kingdom, it's undeniable you don't need to be a scientist like me, guys. It's undeniable that that infantile being is going to be devastated by some massive dramatic shift plummet, whether it's up or down doesn't really matter. But just in this case, plummet in temperature and then suddenly like, I don't know, I think like I'm hunching. I just realized I'm like hunching my shoulders right now. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm pretending to be a small mouse or something. <laughs> getting cold going, where is my jacket? When is the musical beginning? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Surely you know what I'm getting at. And th that's why it's kind of scary that in Australia, we don't actually see that stuff that obviously. I think if you were out living in the country, you'd see it a lot more. Or if you didn't just guzzle your benefits like I did in terms of a surfer enjoying a piece of swell, it's like pretty rare for Australians to be in a position to take a critical look at their environment and how it might be different to what they remember because I don't it's this thing that you and I talk about all the time about like whether I don't know if I can I don't know if I'm noticing stuff more or whether stuff is happening more 
I don't know if, so the rudeness thing that we've talked about, oh my God, that has just persisted as much as climate change denial. I was on the footpath the other day, walking home, and this guy charging along with a pram in front of him, earpods in, there's only room for one of us on this footpath, and then next to the footpath, busy road. And so anyway, he's got a pram, I'm thinking like, oh, I'll just hop down there, risk my life, which I did to which he didn't even look at me, dude. He didn't even look at me. And I just thought that's so fucking rude. But I wonder if that's not rude. And actually that's just the common norm expectation. And I'm just noticing it more and more. That's got to be what it is. And becoming more cantankerous as I enter my 87th year. Like becoming a real grumpy old man over here. Maybe I am just noticing it more as the common standard and deciding that it's beneath what I think it should be. <laughs> but anyway, this guy's charged past and I'm like, you rude prick. Didn't even say, didn't even look at me, let alone say anything. On the phone, you can, it's exactly the kind of conversation that you would imagine of some absolute banker wanker just, yeah, so I've seen his KPI. I've just said, mate, you reckon an ROI is going to come out of that, mate? You're laughing at your ASS. That's fucking bollocks. You know, swearing in front of his baby because that's pretty cool. And just that kind of guy. And I wonder if that's just an average dude, not a completely rude imbecile. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe I wonder if the same thing's happening with climate change. Probably is just noticing it more because I think back to running down the sand in Sydney as a kid and some winter mornings feeling like the sand is like snow and you just can't wait to jump in the water because even though it's like still reasonably cold by east coast standards it still feels really warm compared to how cold the sand is on your bare feet and I just I think about memories like that I don't know if I'm romanticizing them or whether they really are a thing of the past because I can't remember the last time I experienced it as an adult. And it kind of, actually, yes, I can. Oh, yes, I can. It was maybe three years ago going for a surf with Tim Silverwood at Curl Curl one winter morning. It would have been like June. So like June, July, middle of winter. And it was well cold then, actually. Actually, that's the last time. Okay, so maybe it does. I don't know. Like I don't remember it last year or... Maybe it was, no, it wasn't the year before that. It was three years ago. But I feel like that was just an every, an every winter occurrence as a kid. I feel like there was a period of time seasonally where the sand always felt like that on my feet. This is the fuck thing about being a human, hey, is that you have no logbooks, <laughs> no accurate representation of the past, just your own version of the last time you thought about it. <laughs> and I, that just changes all the time. You can just have no idea how much your subliminal subconscious preferences have manipulated that memory beyond reality of what actually happened. Oh, who knows? Anyway, probably a good point to move on because we've got some important things to discuss. Like Below Deck. Oh my Lord. Another season of Below Deck dropped on Netflix. And I cannot tell you how perfectly timed it was. I was just coming to the end of Drive to Survive about Formula One, that is, by the way. Did you know that the I in for no, sorry, the U in Formula One, in the word formula, is actually silent when you refer to Formula One. You refer to Formula One. And I learned that on Drive to Survive. Oh, that, that, isn't that cool about TV? Like That's something I wouldn't have known unless I just sat down inhaling popcorn and just like fantasizing about Lewis Hamilton and shit. Like, and anyway, everyone on that show just talks about Formula One. Das Heising, whether it's Das Heising, Haas, team driver, whatever, talking about Formula One or the BBC like shit hot journo guy who who's beautifully spoken and presents the whole thing so well. But he says Formula One. So does the Red Bull principal, like everyone does. And so I learned that. So anyway, thankfully, Formula One having come to a close um, televisually for me until I guess the next season when I can watch a whole Grand Prix season condensed into a Netflix show. That'd be, that's so cool. So cool that they did it that way because I would never be a fan otherwise. And now I'm a huge fan. Anyway, um, that drawing to a close, I was a bit listless, guys. Scrolling through the Netflix. What am I going to watch? What looks good? Below Deck! New episodes. So stoked. And yeah, I churned through that show. In like, 
I reckon three days I put away 14 episodes or something. It was huge. It was a really mammoth journey. And so much gold came out of it. It was, it exceeded my expectations, which was so high. And anyway, I found this really interesting. So you know how we've got the sound gourd and everything where we're just so captivated by Gordon Ramsay and his leadership, I suppose, that I've got all these grabs. There's like really important things that he says um, that we can all learn from, like whether he's talking about cooking or not. Because like I like I learned, I feel like I learned stuff about myself and about human beings in terms of climate change. Listening to Gordon Ramsay address a kitchen about food, he's just holy fuck, fuck me. He's so eloquent. And anyway, <laughs> I've got some additions to the sound gourd, um, which which really just made me go <gasps> with delight because. Okay, so these two crew members on this super yacht have this secret relationship and it all comes out in a very dramatic final episode. And basically this one, this part of this story of Below Deck this season, I suppose all three seasons that I've seen, is about this young guy, maybe mid-20s, who really ha- is a really ambitious boat guy who really wants to captain one of these super yachts and really rise through the ranks. It's very militaristic, seemingly. Um because obviously, as well as being a scientist and a medical doctor, I'm also um, a professor of docu-soaps. And so I've become very well educated in, um, in yacht life through Below Deck. And so he's just rising through the ranks, just basically under the wing of this one particular captain. And it's a very mentor-mentee, really cool kind of partnership relationship. And it just, I love that shit because no one in that job, either one of them, is really faking it. You're only there if you love doing that job. So I just reckon the relationships in that job are particularly, in those kinds of jobs, are like particularly fascinating because that authenticity of the connection is just like, it's an extra layer. So there's this young guy, the old captain, the young guy is part of this like irresponsible menage a trois type situation with this like complete psycho chick. And it all comes out in the final episode and he's talking to the captain about it. And I was just so struck again by one of these moments of like, this could be anyone talking to all humans about climate change because he, the way he, the way he talks, it's like, it's just a full Gordon Ramsay leadership moment. So they're sitting, I'll play it for you and you can just picture the scene, right? They're sitting by the, the campfire, the season's over, six weeks of living on top of each other, working so freaking hard, so hard for such rich assholes. <laughs> and then you're finally at the end of it, just blown it all out. All the secrets come out. Everyone's pretty shattered and exhausted and just wants to get the fuck out of there. And these two are sitting by the campfire. And I mean, like, let's be honest, that's pretty much that's pretty much human evolution over the last, I don't know, thousand years. As you look at that, like, when is that graph ever not the most terrifying thing you've ever seen? When you look at human evolution and population growth, that is, on, on one of those, is it an exponent? No, it's a... Hypothesis. No, it's not a hypothesis. Whatever the graph is, it's just like a, a chart, uh, just a line graph, I guess, of like human population from 10,000 years ago. And it's just flatlining, flatlining, flatlining. And then around, right around like 1800s, just like, ding, vertical. It's de- I think that's exponential. Anyway, we're on this terrifying population exponential thing. And I feel like we've, we've pretty much been a yacht crew. That's the whole thing is like the intensity has just gone up so rapidly, so fast that we're right on this point of oblivion now where if it keeps going for much longer, one we're going overboard. Not just one of us, all of us are going overboard or actually no, rather the better metaphor is that the ship is just going to fucking sink, right? That's us on planet earth. So we are basically the young guy under the wing of the captain who is basically just giving us some advice about how to feel in the face of this absolute environmental catastrophe that we as a species have created for ourselves. He was letting one head do the thinking for the other head. How do we make it right? That's the captain, yeah, right? You can't change what happened. Isn't that voice amazing? But you don't have to carry on with this bullshit facade that you've been perpetrating all evening. Like everything's great and fun and games and all the rest of that shit, because it's not. This is probably one of the biggest f***ups of my life. I know what I did was wrong. I'm ashamed. Now you need to... That was us, by the way. 
and realize that it's what you do moving forward that counts. You'll be just fine. Thanks, Dad. Yep. Did you catch that last bit? That last bit was... Hold on, I'll just play it again. And realize that it's what you do moving forward that counts. That's it. That That's it. We can't change the past. It is all about what we do moving forward. And what we're doing moving forward is what we're doing every day, as in like right now. It's just that like the... I always think about this in terms of my own mental health and my own whether it's depression and being sad about things in my past or whether it's anxiety and being sad about potential things in my future, that I always like one useful thing that I've come back to organically, mind you, it didn't take a yacht captain on a reality TV show to learn this. I actually just sort of paid attention long enough to start to realize I'm still not that good at controlling it or really, I think, using it to my full advantage yet. But I always come back to this realization that the least helpful thing that I can do for myself is is agonize over, over it in some other time that's not right now. The, that's the least helpful thing. It's not just that it's not helpful. It is the least helpful, the most damaging thing to be able to stabilize my feelings and my emotions and actually be practical, pull my shit together and move forward in a positive way. And collectively, in terms of climate change, that's pretty much where we're at, where we're just so devastated, pointing fingers at who's done what in the past and why we're in this mess. And then bickering about what to do in the future when it's all just very clear what we can do. And the least helpful thing that we can do is is just be lost somewhere other than right now. And so Captain Lee telling that to Eddie was just like, I was just like, this guy is, this guy is special. You know, he's just from that era of, of old blokes, I guess lots of whom were really misogynistic, homophobic <laughs> bastards, <laughs> but somehow they make their way into these patriarchal wise old heroes in our movies and shit. Like Captain Lee just fits that mold. It doesn't his voice sound like the Charlie's Angels voice as well. Good morning, angels. But that whoever that was, I can just hear Captain Lee through some blurry old two-way radio, and it's pretty much he's Char- he's the guy in Charlie's Angels. So so anyway, so there's this crazy follow-up right in in <laughs> at the end of this show. Okay, if you've never watched Below Deck, so for some context, it follows a yacht crew through a crazy charter season somewhere exotic where people are paying up to a hundred grand a night for these, this crazy level of service on this crazy vessel that's like three levels, 5,000 bedrooms, blah, blah, blah. And the level of service that they provide and the, the, the substandard quality of human, generally speaking, that it is too, is just, it's, I can't look away. It's this car crash thing that reality does to me. Sorry, reality TV, sort of reality as well, where, where it's just like watching a car crash from so far away that you know is going to happen and you can't do anything, but you, but you can't look away. <laughs> you can't do anything and that includes looking away. And all you can do is just look at it and go like, oh, and that's like that's me watching reality tv it's just like my hands are on my face the whole time just going these people are all real they might be dramatizing themselves probably are at least a little bit surrounded by a film crew and stuff they're all sociopathic to begin with. And so generally speaking, I think that's a safe assumption to make is that they are modifying their character, shall we diplomatically say, for the sake of the camera. And um, anyway, all you, you get like the most intimate look at all sorts of things that go on, the relationships, the service, the work that goes into the season. And then, and just look at the type of people involved in the industry <laughs> on all sides. It's just this fascinating microscope on, on human beings, on a specific version of human being. And I guess that is the luxury maritime um, specimen amongst us, like interested in luxury maritime that is. Although like one guy's not, one guy just like comes on. He's the most classless, rich, disgusting human who by all accounts just made his money sort of overnight. Kind of sounds like accidentally on some IT thing, but he just has no idea how to be a human being anymore. You can just see that that level of wealth has immediately corrupted every shred of integrity that he ever had. And he sat around a table with two like paid escorts 
two friends in inverted commas, the, those four people just look disgusted the whole time. And he's sitting there getting wasted going, you, you, you know, I have more money than all of you put together, right? Just literally, that is a that is a verbatim <laughs> recount of what this guy says, and then and then you got this crazy like love triangle ridden yacht crew in the background, and so yeah, I just can't look away. And then at the end of the show, they bring all of the crew back, sit them in a film studio on couches face to face and they just have it out <laughs> for two hours about everything that comes out. And so this is after they've stopped filming, everyone's gone home or gone off to do another season somewhere else and then watch the show in the interim and then they come back and then they all have to sit there and there's this chick, the crazy chick that this guy has slept with just will not take responsibility for anything. And then so during one of these um, episodes, the same guy, Captain Lee, a.k.a. Charlie, I guess, is it? If it's Charlie's aunt. Yeah. Captain Charlie Lee. It's definitely not that. Um, Captain Lee just starts rinsing this chick. And it's the same thing where I'm just like, that is, he, we're the chick right now. And we're coming up with all sorts of excuses why we don't want to actually take responsibility for our environmental footprints and all that stuff. <laughs> and then he's just laying it out how it is. He's just saying that is bullshit. There is no more time. So I don't know how I could get that out there anymore. I think that's bullshit. I think Emil went down the <laughs> rosy path, and I think you were definitely leading him there. I'll tweet you, all the you messages. Should, no, I don't tonight. want to hear. I don't want to see your tweets. I don't want to see your texts. You need to own things that you do. When you get caught with your tit in the ringer, guess what? It's because you put it there. If you <laughs> need to own it, then you should step up to the plate. Emil's done it. Eddie's done it. Everybody here has done it. The only one that I haven't seen do it is you. Amazing. Imagine getting told that, like, imagine getting spoken to that way by a grisly, salty old dude in his late 60s, just having at you, just laying into you. That would be, and then, but still, this speaks to the, like, how crazy this girl is. It's just water off a duck's back. She doesn't give a shit. She has no sense of respect and so much entitlement. So she's just not troubled by it at all. But I think, like, I imagine, I think about getting spoken to like that by, by someone so senior. Oh, that would just, uh, that wouldn't just wreck my day. That might wreck a whole year of my life for me. Because <laughs> I'd be like, not even if I disagreed with what this hypothetical old person was rinsing me about, even if I still disagreed, I'd just be like, how did I upset someone that old that much? That much that they just belled me. They yelled at me in front of a lot of other people. How have I managed to upset someone that much? Someone who's been here for so long and built up so much patience over that time. And, and then now they're just screaming at me. And especially laying down hardcore truths like that. One more time. You need to own things that you do. When you get caught with your tit in the ringer, guess what? It's because you put it there. If you need to own it, then you should step up to the plate. Emil's done it. Eddie's done it. Everybody here has done it. The only one that I haven't seen do it is you. Okay, so couldn't that just be the rest of the world talking to Australia about our um, emissions reductions targets? The answer is yes. <laughs> it's so sad, but that would be the most accurate representation of how I can only assume the rest of the world feels about Australia's inactivity politically. Like we just, we're so not ambitious at all. Not just that, but so willfully in the way of progress happening. It's so, it just makes me feel like, wow, so I am that girl basically. So are you if you're Aussie and you're listening. Guys, shit, shit. I just, we just talked about that. How bad that, oh my God, it does feel bad. I don't know if this is going to ruin a year of my life, you know, because we're so deep into a hypothetical right now. But far out, this is a good little taste, isn't it? Wow, we because that's literally how the re that is definitely without a doubt how the rest of the world would sound and be represented in human form, addressing us Australia, the slut girl who slept with everyone on the boat in the closet and then doesn't want to admit to it, which is basically um, us continuing to sell the most fossil fuels out of anyone in the entire world deep into 2021 and hopefully into 2050. If you're part of the liberal front bench, um, that's us. We're the slut in the cupboard, and we're just like, it wasn't me; it was his fault. He shouldn't have done it, <laughs> you know, and still doing all that stuff. We have, this is a real taste. It's not good. Wow. 
tastes horrible to let to let the world down like that. I hope I hope that doesn't come true. Don't you? Because right, and that I know that sounds like a really stupid thing to say. Well, I hope that doesn't come true. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, hopefully that won't happen. Nah, but it might not. Nah, oi, Scotty's a good bloke, dude. Like, everyone just digs at him all the time. But, like, a mate of mine tried to shake some chick's hand and she didn't want to either. And, like, like same thing. Like, he just got, like, hell bullied for it. And it's like, oi, be nice to him. He just got rejected. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, that is the stupidest thing to say. But that's, but that's the real, that is a real thing to say is that that is what is going to happen unless we actually pull our fingers out, stop relying on carryover Kyoto Protocol credits or whatever the whatever that loophole is that has led to Scotty and Angus Taylor and everyone saying that we're going to meet our emissions reductions targets in a canter. Always in a canter. Anyway, um, but that's apparently only because we had some in reserve. I'm pretty sure... It's got to be to do with that usual distortion of our environmental statistics. That seems to persist. That That is what is really aiding and abetting us, sort of hiding in plain sight as climate criminals, as Australians. I say us. I mean myself. I mean you listening. I mean our politicians, everyone who's complicit in this country, everyone with a passport right now. That's how we have to think of this time and our position is, is as a whole and we are climate criminals. On the world stage, we are because we hide behind how small our population is relative to our landmass so that the combined emissions of our country doesn't, they don't look too bad because we've got so few people contributing to them. But if you divide those emissions out per capita, we are, I think we're only outranked as the worst, most egregious polluters on the planet by like Q8 or something. Or Saudi Arabia, maybe. I remember looking this up a long time ago, and I know it hasn't gotten better. And a long time ago, it was those two countries that were behind us. I know we've slipped. One of them's just blown past us. I don't know whether it was Kuwait or Saudi Arabia that started to lift their game. But we're right at the back of the pack now. And and Lewis and Verstappen, they're so far ahead of us. There's almost no prospect of catching them. But hey, we can try and stop them lapping us. So it's just us at the back now. It's literally Australia per capita. We are the worst environmental criminals on the planet. And Captain Lee's right. We, we shouldn't really like wallow on why that is or how we've found ourselves into this position when colonial Australia is a very young place still, but there have been generations in front of people like you and me who have contributed to the bulk of what's happening now. We've inherited a lot of our complicity, a lot of our guilt, a lot of our contribution to what's destroying the planet. And the worst thing that we can do right now, the the least helpful thing that we can do is agonize over that and do nothing about it. But that's what we're doing, is we're just whinging and trying to weasel our way out of taking responsibility for it. And we just need, we need Captain Lee. That's why we need Captain Lee. When we've, because guys, yeah. our tit's in the ringer, all right? Oh, your tit in the ringer, guess what? <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I don't think it it's there. good. If you need to own it, then you should step up to the plate. Emil's done it, Eddie's done it, everybody here has done it. The only one that I haven't seen do it is you. Australia? It's me, Antonio Guterres, head secretary or something at the United Nations. I don't even know if the name was right then, let alone the position. But that's that's where we need to get... I think How scary is that? That I genuinely think we might need to get called out aggressively at one of those summits for, for, for stuff to happen. Because we're getting called out bit by bit, but kind of one country at a time, kind of at these... I guess they're not like top tier festivals if there's climate festivals like conference of the parties and all the un conventions and all that stuff like that's like that's top tier that's the a grade i think at a b grade level some of these zoom conferences that i've seen going around i think we've been called out on a few of those but it's gonna i think that's what it might take is some some maybe captain lee himself (laughs) maybe charlie angel man captain lee himself needs to go to the un in his whites and just like tell us how it is. Call out Australia specifically for having our tit in the ringer and, and choosing not to do anything. That's got me all excited now. That's got me all excited now. 
doesn't that that has me all excited thinking about Captain Lee at the UN? I love what this podcast is. It's so hard hitting. It's so important, isn't it? Because where else would you get would you get this level of of like I guess like I guess education, right? Because it's about me passing on my education, which I'm receiving from programming like Below Deck. And also from from the Consumption Church. Oh, here we go. So guys, yesterday, I've gone back to Woolies. No, I wasn't in Woolies. I was in um, an adjacent BWS. And I was in the call room, right, looking for beer. And I found my beer. And in the time it took me to find my beer, this girl's come charging in, blasted through a bunch of the shelves, grabbed what she wanted, but she's taken a bottle with it. And it's hit the deck. And it hasn't quite... This is in a sealed cool room, by the way, away from the register. It's just me and her in there. And and <laughs> and it's, so it's basically hasn't exploded, but you can hear the, the cap. It's just hit the deck and gone... It's all over for that beverage. Someone's going thirsty. And, and what does she do? Takes a quick look at me, picks it up, back on the shelf, blast out of the cool room. And I'd love to say, I'd love to give myself this concession that um, there was no time for me to say anything and be like, hey, that's not right. You should put that, you, you should tell someone about that and pay for it. And um, <laughs> I think that'd be so generous to myself because I'm not sure I would have done that. I think I would have probably like just probably, I don't know, what would I have done? I didn't get a choice to decide basically. She blasted out the cool room. And so I, I had my beer by that point in time and, and I just obviously seen a great show. So I was making my way for the exit as well. And, and I go up to the register who's standing in front of me, but the criminal herself. And, and she doesn't realize I'm behind her and then gets up to the counter. She does the thing where if you're in front of house service, anything, talking to like forward facing, if you've had to wear a mask recently, (laughs) then you would know how like the diversity of, uh, I guess not just rudeness that you encounter in, in just people in general, but just people who are totally checked out or just on autopilot or like hyper engaging and kind of creepy for that. (laughs) Um, But anyway, there's a broad spectrum. And this girl in front of me was of the checked out variety where she was on her phone didn't make eye contact with the fella behind the register. Um, seemed to be really agitated. Hmm. I'm wondering to myself. I wonder why that is. <laughs> and then, and then the the FPOS thing beeps. She goes to pay and then just takes off. And this fella behind his mask. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. And she's she's halfway out the door. So I had to go. Hey, sorry. Because <laughs> I didn't have a mask on, and then that got her attention, so she's turned around and seen old fella going, "Oh, sorry, the, the, didn't get your card there. Sorry, yeah, no, didn't make the beep. Sorry." Like apologising for something he does not need to apologise for, because she's just like, just like t- literally like tapped her card and bounced, and so she's had to come in, and she's so like kind of, oh my god, eyes darting everywhere, pretty frantic by this point, and then pays for it. Fell behind the mask is just sort of. Yeah, thanks. Sorry about that. Just sometimes, you know, these old machines a bit clunky these days. Yeah, and she's just like having having none of it, not interested. And he's bless him, trying to be so nice. What a lovely guy in the face of this like checked out robot criminal woman. And he doesn't know he's a, she's a criminal. But anyway, so then, um, so she pays, gives me this really shifty look, <laughs> and then just cheeses it. And then I'm standing there with my beer, looking at this really friendly chap. Good night, hello, just those. And, and and I'm like, what do I do right now? Because I know why she was so nervous. It was what happened, what, what he and I just experienced was two very different things, I think. No, definitely it was because he was involved and I was just spectating. But also the background information that I knew, I felt like a, I felt like a criminal. I felt complicit. And like, I wasn't sure, I just wasn't sure what to do. And so I was like, I, I like to think of myself in the in the hyper engaging and slightly creepy variety, probably. Um, but I like I refuse to talk to anyone with headphones in or even like holding my phone. I just can't do it. It feels having been on the receiving end of it so much. 
it feels so rude to do that to somebody else and be halfway through a text and also being served by someone at a cash register. So anyway, so I've looked this guy in the eyes. I'm like, hey, how are you, man? Uh, how's your day going? Blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah, you know, bird, bird, come on, let's finish now. Uh, you know, and just like shooting this shit, trying to actually... I don't know, experience something in the three dimensions around us in, in that in that moment. Um, but agonizing at the same time, do I tell this guy, this poor guy? Like, is it going to be on him? I don't think he's that poor of a guy because it is, I mean, he wasn't that old. He's working in a BWS in a pretty flash neighbor. He's probably all right. And, and he probably won't get held to account. There's probably like breakage in the books for people being reckless in cool rooms and stuff. They probably account for a little bit of that. And that's what I depend on because I didn't say anything. Am I a dickhead? Am I a dickhead? Self-talk with Lucky Roland. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know, though. I don't know. Am I? I think I might be because I didn't say anything and I knew something was wrong. And it's like that whole thing that you get te- you get te- teached. Yes. <laughs> it's that whole thing that you get teached in primary school to like... To be to be honest about that stuff, and if you see something wrong and you do nothing, then you're just as bad as the person doing the bad thing. That that sunk in with me, and and it's not because I had a. Well, I'm pretty sure I did have good teachers and stuff, but it sunk in with me because it directly resonated with a moral impulse of mine, which is, oh hey, that's the right and wrong thing to do, and so and so I guess I betrayed that impulse in not saying anything. But oh, I don't know. That's like. Oh, maybe I'm going to have to go back now. Anyway, it wasn't like he didn't have to, he didn't have to like sweep it up or anything. There was no huge breakage. It's just going to be, oh, actually, here's why I don't have to feel bad. Yes, this is why we're here <laughs> to talk about the real issues. <laughs> but because someone will still buy it, someone, okay, so hopefully someone who really doesn't need anything more to drink. <laughs> We'll walk into this BWS and buy that particular stubby and then open it up outside, be be so egregiously shit-faced uh, and therefore um, disproportionately indignant at the prospect of a flat beer and then throw it out responsibly by pouring it down the drain and then putting the glass and the separated metal bottle cap into a mixed recyclables container bin. Triggered. Um, and then... <laughs> Um, and then go home to his kids because he thinks, wow, my life's so good. I had such a fun night. I don't need anything more. I had my four beers. I've got a bit of a buzz, but the 20 minute walk home will take that edge off. I'll kiss my children's foreheads, wish well to the world and my family before drifting off to a restorative sleep. That is the best possible outcome rather than this poor mask blokes like manager coming down on him about why aren't you policing the cool room from checked out shifty break beers in the cool room and not tell anyone ladies look out for those there's heaps of them around <laughs> anyway like like hit me up if you think i if you think that guy I, I will go back there the same time next week and i'll be i will maybe i should and, and oh, the, this is the this is the real thin blurry line between podcaster and psychopath isn't it roll no there's no line between those two things i think it's just the line between being free to walk around and 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 wrapped up in a padded room <laughs> if i was to go back and say oh hey man um geez i don't really know how to say this i was in i was here okay so i was here last week do, do you remember yeah okay so last week you had to wear a mask right and um i don't know how i would have that conversation no, this is the thin blurry line and I'm going to stay on the right side of it and not do that. And um, and that's the justification for saying nothing, all right? Because I don't want to be put away. It's too early for that. Okay, so this um, episode, this is not this week's feature because... Okay, so this week's feature of the non-weekly show self-talk, um, this feature of dumb shit um, is, is kind of an obscure one. I guess last week we went kind of off the deep end. I think it's dumb... That okay, I uh, I don't even know how to say this. As usual, <laughs> I think it's dumb. There's a thing that I think should be invented, and because it hasn't been invented, is what I think is dumb. Yes, <laughs> I did it. I managed to express that idea with ver- words somehow and very badly. I think it's dumb that uh, a pedal assist electric quad bike hasn't been invented yet. 
and I think you'll I think you'll agree with me why why that's dumb, and and you'll be you'll be sort of outraged by by the fact it doesn't exist yet either. But just this, okay. So think about how excessive a car is as as a mode of transport. It's like it's a crazy level of of privatized and capitalized personal wealth and freedom to have this massive chunk of heaps and heaps of complicated moving parts to just propel you at 110 kilometers an hour or 350 if you drive in Formula One. And I just think there should be, okay, because the other end of this transport spectrum is obviously the humble bicycle and who doesn't love a pushy? They're still cool machines and stuff, but there's no denying that pedal assist and electric mountain bikes, electric road, e-bikes in general are just this amazing emergent technology that is just revolutionizing the way we think about transportation on two wheels. And I've thought, I think I must have talked about this on the podcast before because electric bicycles and motorcycles, the best like pedal assist e-bikes that you can get right now, which are maybe like 20 grand or something, they're pretty much halfway from a bicycle to a motorcycle. You're halfway there. And I don't think you're meant to have a throttle in Australia, but you can still get them. And it's pretty impossible to police everyone's bike and who's got a throttle on their elect- on the handlebar of their electric bike and who hasn't. It is impossible to police that. So it's been this beautiful golden era for me, thinking as like a cycle enthusiast or just like a fan of anything on two wheels. I love this unregulated third version of, of, of Tusicle, whether it's a bicycle uh, or a motorcycle. It's this th- like the e-bike thing. You can just ride an electric motorbike on the footpath, basically. That's where we're at. <laughs> and so with that technology and the fact that cars are just so crazily excessive as a mode of transport, isn't it feasible that we could come up with, and by we, I mean you and me specifically together, because Obviously, how many times do I need to say this? I'm a scientist, tenured professor, medical doctor, and you are a bike mechanic. And so with our powers combined, we can be Captain Planet and we can come up with the ultimate pedal assist quad electric bike. Can't you just see it? Can't you just see it in this kind of halfway between Mad Max and Star Wars version of human reality where you're sitting in some, like, I guess, suspended cubicle with cranks and pedals in front of you you're sitting on top of a huge integrated gearbox and maybe like a battery bank or something to send pedal assistance and drivetrain out to four wheels with each with independent suspension around you and 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 then you just pedal away to freedom the range on that thing would be huge and you could power it with solar panels you customize them put a roof on it i'm putting this out there and you've heard it here first i think this i genuinely think this will be a feature of our future transportation wise because it's it's too oh it's too sick to not exist it's too awesome and it's too practical that's the most functional invention ever. Private transport that you could go, let's say you could go up to like 70 or 80K an hour in one of these things. And maybe you're wearing a harness of some description and it's got a shell around you that yeah, I reckon you could get these down to a price point of like, I don't know, a couple of grand. And then at that point, it goes from being this crazy privileged hypothetical product only available to comfortable roles on the east coast of Australia to a viable alternative for a poor family in a developing country for old mate to get around to and from the farm and his house every day, you know, and not have to worry about lots of good, like lots of, lots of worrying stuff, basically. Uh, It's another one of these ideas that I can't wait for the UN to get back to me about because I've written to them with this um, and many others, um, obviously. And I think Hemsey's actually been writing in for me as well because I've seen him scribbling stuff. Like I forgot to mention in that story, I'm pretty sure it was Hemsey behind the mask because like he like the way he looked at me and just his build and everything. And again, like this Hollywood makeup that I know they have and his, his resources are, are I'm the local around there, so I don't think it would. It's definitely not out of the question that he he would stalk me long enough to put together my shopping habits and then organise himself to be in some innocuous um, character role in my life to be able to observe me a bit closer. And he certainly got that, didn't he? Like lucky man. Um, but I'm pretty sure that was him, and I'm pretty sure I've seen him 
writing stuff down around me before anyway, like just ideas that I'm just vocalizing at the time and stuff. And like, cause I see people writing stuff down all the time and, and I'm pretty sure they're writing my ideas down. And I'm pretty sure most of them are Chris Hemsworth in disguise, just trying to figure out like, what is it that makes this bloke tick? And what did he do to me in Byron Bay? And Hemsy, thank you for writing all those down, dude. And um, and I'm looking forward to touching base and like seeing what your interpretation of them was and like just how closely you've been paying attention to me, basically. Um, and thanks for sending them into the UN as well, because I'm pretty sure like as soon as they receive two submissions of a certain idea, then they have to put it forward in the next meeting. I think that's how the UN works. So one from you and one from me. Um, and if you're out there listening, hey, like that'd be awesome as well if you want to contribute to this some more. And um, a quick way to do it is that the UN, specifically the IPCC, um, they read the reviews of my podcast really often. And so you could just write your ideas down there, like, dear UN, writing, contacting to you after rating this podcast five stars because I've really been enjoying it. And I've not, I know that it's this direct channel to... Um, to you, Mr. Gutierrez, and um, here's my here's my suggestions um, of what the world needs to think about right now, which is pedal-powered quad electric assist bike. Okay, cheers, love Emily or whoever you are. <laughs> Where have we descended to? This is definitely signature that it's time for me to go. Oh man, I just remembered actually this one part of Below Deck. One of these guys who wants to sleep with uh, with us, the slut in the cupboard um, who slept with everybody else um, and sold her soul and stuff. He wants her and he's this like beautiful young South African boy and he's got the most amazing accent. And like he comes in to her in the laundry room and she's like, I want some alone time. And he's like, you want to learn time with me? <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> and then it goes to him like sitting in front of the camera or whatever. I had a really nice time with Rocky on the date. She's the kind of girl you've got to put in a lot of work. So I'm I'm really hoping I might score. It's just, oh man, that show, dude. Education. That's what we're about here on Self Talk. Thank you for educating yourself with me. Thank you for not being one of these disgusting cretins on this boat who who somehow have billions but also managed to open 74 beers with their face in one episode thanks for being a real person who knows that there's real problems in the world and is committed to them because that's that's who you must be if you're listening someone who's like i can't look away <laughs> i'm glued to this i need it i need to do something and um and yeah and i guess that means thanks for for, for listening yeah thanks for not being addicted to looking the other way go you Yes. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> and that, my dear, is fucking delicious. <laughs>